So once your sweet spot is clearly defined, think about all the deals that are going to come your way in this economy because so many businesses are going under. So it's not just about which team members or which roles would you want to fill in your business. That's certainly a consideration. And I would, I would suggest you have a list of those too to be ready and um, look to fill those if you have that opportunity, but also to just look at what's on sale out there in the market right now that fits your growth plan. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest Podcast. Let's get started. Dr. Sabrina Starling, the business psychologist and author of How to Hire the Best series, is the founder of Tap the Potential. Tap the Potential specializes in transforming small businesses into highly profitable, great places to work, and then sending the owners on a four-week vacation to celebrate that accomplishment. Never one to accept the status quo or back down from a challenge, Dr. Sabrina's How to Hire the Best series grew from her desire to solve the toughest hiring challenges interfering with her clients' growth and profitability. What sprang from her experience working with entrepreneurs in rural areas catapulted her into becoming the world's leading expert in attracting top talent in small business no matter what hiring challenges those businesses were facing, and earned Tap the Potential's reputation as the go-to resource for entrepreneurs committed to creating great places to work with thriving coaching cultures and highly engaged team members working from her strengths. Her latest book, How to Hire the Best, The Contractor's Ultimate Guide to Attracting Top-Performing Employees, is an international bestseller on Amazon. And frankly, I found out that she has actually two other books coming out, which I'll let her talk about a little later in the show. Check out her full bio on the show notes. And I am so excited to welcome Dr. Sabrina Starling to the DealQuest podcast. Thank you, Corey. I can't wait to what we're going to dig into today. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there's so much that, uh, boy, I'm so excited. There's so much that we can talk about and so much that impacts the ability of the companies to be successful in general and to do deals. But before we go there, I want to take you back to when you were a little girl grown up, 8, 10, 12 years old. What did you want to be? Because my guess is the foremost expert on attracting, you know, talent for entrepreneurs was probably not in at that age, but tell me if I'm wrong. You are wrong. And, you know, I didn't even want to be that about seven or eight years ago. I really resisted diving into this topic because it is such a challenging topic and I was afraid there were no solutions. Fortunately, there I found solutions. But back when I was seven or eight years old, I really just wanted to be a veterinarian. I love animals, the idea of being able to work with animals all day long. Of course, I did not realize that would mean I would have to do medical procedures on animals. And once I made that connection, well, then I was exploring other career paths after that. 
I love it. And one more question before we talk about what you're doing now, which is, do you have a memory of when your first deal or whatever that meant to you was, you know, whether it's as an adult or a little kid, any kind of deal that you did when you were younger? You know, I'm pretty sure I don't have a specific memory of my first deal, but I'm pretty sure it was negotiating with my parents for something I wanted really badly. And most likely I was told you can have that when you, it probably it was a dog or a rabbit or a cat. Right. And I was told you can have that when you grow up and have your own place. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like I had that same negotiation with my parents around the dog. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so listen, we, you know, we gave a little bit of the, of it in the intro, but you know, we'll obviously hear more uh, specifics as we go along, but just take a couple of minutes to talk about, you know, what you do and, and, and who, you know, what kind of companies and clients you work with. All right. So I have been coaching small business owners for about 15 or 16 years now. And I transitioned from my career as a psychologist into coaching because I really wanted to see results. And I, in, in the mental health field, it was always two steps forward, five steps back. And one of the things that I've come to really appreciate about working with entrepreneurs, especially I consider myself very lucky at Tap the Potential, we get to work with the A players of the entrepreneurial world. So we work with small business owners who are intent on creating highly profitable, great places to work, building a business that does not depend on them. And really building that team in that business and growing the leadership within the business. And all of that ends up like as an accidental byproduct of creating a business that can run on its own, that allows the business owner to be away from it for extended periods of time. We offer the four-week vacation challenge to our clients in our Better Business, Better Life program. But ultimately, what we focus on with our clients is building that business that allows you to have more time for what matters most to you and give you the money in the bank account that you want to have rather than what's the typical experience out there of entrepreneurs is, you know, I have this business, it's taking over my life and it's a cash sucking business. So, you know, that loss of life to in the years that many entrepreneurs lose to trying to get their business off the ground and running and really get it to that point where one day somehow that business is going to take care of them. That one day just feels like it's, you know, the needle is always moving. We're never getting to that. So we work with those A players of the entrepreneurial world who want to learn, who want to grow, who want to learn from others who have been successful. And they're very passionate about their people. And I think that is one of our common connections, Corey. So much of what you focus on in your book and your work is about, you know, let's look at the people rather than the issues and the problem. And let's put the people front and center. Yeah. And it's so, you know, there's so many things that I could say out of that, but I, I know that um, I've, I have so many listeners around the world who are, I know from the entrepreneurs organization community, and it is such a religion in EO, you know, to work on your business, not in your business, to create a business that can run without you and create enterprise value that's not dependent upon you. And obviously that deals, ties into deals significantly you know, because the ability to exit your company at all or at any kind of uh, valuation, you know, depends upon it being less dependent upon you. That's a big thing. And the other thing I'll say, and I'd love to get your input on any of these, is that, you know, I, I did a series of videos, I don't know, it might have been a year or two ago, ago where, you know, I got on sort of this semi-rant where, 
you know, like in a lot of the entrepreneurial world, there's this uh, sort of derogatory comment, oh, you know, you have a lifestyle business, right? Oh, and, yeah. and I hate that because on the one hand, I get it, you know, uh, we're all supposed to scale and grow and blah, blah, blah. But first of all, some people scale and grow for all the wrong reasons and they end up not being happy or blowing up. And for me, I actually, you know, sort of started this mini campaign to redefine the concept of lifestyle business, to say every business should be a lifestyle business because why are we entrepreneurs if we're not building something that works for our lifestyle. And by the way, for some people, that might be a lifestyle of being a venture-funded company that's going to be fast growth and high tech and whatever. And if that's what they really want, that's cool. But like, that's a lifestyle. Like, you know, it should serve our lifestyle. So your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I firmly believe work should support life, not the other way around. I feel like in the entrepreneurial world, there is a dominant discourse that we should be grinding it out and we need to be focusing on top line revenue and growing top line revenue, which I really feel like is a lot of chest feeding. Really what we need to be focusing on is not how much we make, but how much we keep and how much life does our business give back rather than how much life is it taking away, not just from us, but from our team members as well. And I think about in terms of if we are building businesses that are not sustainable, and sustainable is a big word. There's so much wrapped up in that word, but sustainable means, you know, is it sustainable really to work 90 hours a week? Is it sustainable to sit at our desk in front of Zoom calls for hours on end, as many of us are doing now in the age of Corona? Um, That's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's not life-giving. Laying awake at night, worrying about cash flow, worrying about how you're going to meet payroll, chasing bigger and bigger deals just for the revenue, to bring the top-line revenue in, and not looking at what is the margin, what is the profitability, what are we going to be able to keep in the company Those are questions that are, I I find to be much more important, much more life-giving questions. And, you know, as you started talking about lifestyle business, I feel the need to throw out there that for many years, as a woman entrepreneur, I felt shame around letting others know that I've run my business on 20 to 25 hours a week for the last 14 or 15 years. Mm. I have grown my business every year, except for two years, I took, it took a step back. But every year, by 35 to 40%, working 20 to 25 hours a week. And that is because I had to be highly focused and highly productive in those 20 to 25 hours a week. I came upon that number because that's the hours that I had in a given day when my kids would be at, that's how much I was going to send my kids to daycare when they were first born. And as they've gone to school, that's about how much time I've had available to me. And so for myself, Once I came to understand that there are limits on my time and I need to be highly selective about where I put my attention and put my attention on the most impactful act in my business, I was able to let go of so much of the day-to-day distraction that entrepreneurs can get pulled into, into the weeds. And so I think that perspective is very important for an entrepreneur who's building their business is what is the most valuable use of my time? I love that. And I got to tell you, it's, it's sort of related. It's not directly. I, I have had, I find mothers with children to be, I mean, I've had so much success with hiring women with children because they just get stuff done. I mean, yeah, like yeah. it's amazing because their time is limited. They don't mess around. They just produce. 
And the biggest thing that I found, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, with what you do to get your view is, you know, is that um, I've been able to get super high quality people at fair, but not like, you know, but more reasonable cost if what I give them in exchange is flexibility. Absolutely. Right? They can that work is- remotely. They don't have to, you know, they, I don't care when they get their work done. I don't care if they, if they stop working at five and, and start working again at nine when their kids goes to bed, you know, uh, and, and I've been unbelievably successful in having working mothers work with me. Absolutely. Working mothers especially appreciate that. There are lots of working fathers. People in general appreciate that flexibility. That's one yeah. of those intangible perks that help you attract the best team members. And one of the things that gets lost in, in all of this is if we focus the work on the results that we're looking for from an individual rather than how many hours they're putting in for us, that immediately creates that opportunity for flexibility. I don't have any team members working full-time in the business. Everyone on the Tap the Potential team is part-time. And so we're all virtual and we are flexible. I don't have any requirement other than our team meetings that we have that, and when we're working with clients, there's no other time restriction. Work can get done. I don't have any expectation that if I am texting or on Slack after five that you're going to respond to me until the next day. I tell my team, if you see a message from me on Slack on Saturday, it's just because I was thinking about something on Saturday. I don't expect you to be thinking about it on Saturday. That's fine to wait till Monday and respond to me. So that building that flexibility in and really respecting the priorities that people have in their lives. And as so many entrepreneurs are faced with running virtual businesses in the age of Corona and not sharing office space with team members, I've heard a lot of concern about, well, how do I know they're getting things done? And I think let's just shift that conversation to what are the results that you're looking for from them? Are those things happening? If so, call it good. You know, it's pretty, you are so speaking my language because it's the way I've run my businesses. I'm a, listen, I, I hire great people. I trust them as professionals. I hold them accountable. I, I, I've got to tell you, I actually had to learn on the other side because I tend to be, you know, like my nature is to, is to delegate and trust. What I had to learn was the, other, was, was the accountability for the results piece. But once I got that, some years back, many years back, and understood that I need some accountability around results, you know, the fact that I don't micromanage anybody, the fact that I am not over anybody's shoulder, the fact that I don't care when they get their work done, as long as the clients are happy and they produce results and they show up, you know, for the scheduled meetings, which we don't have a lot of, I've been able to, you know, I've had people who've been with me for, like, I keep people and they're great people and the clients are so well served. So, you know, I've had, uh, I know people who have issues, you know, who sort of manage more by like, you know, keeping tabs on people and on time. And I've always had an issue with that. But I certainly think in these times, I'm wondering what you think, like uh, in the COVID-19 coronavirus times here, how much that's going to force a shift. And, you know, uh, whether you think there will be a shift in, in the paradigm or whether those companies who tend to manage that way will just go back to their old ways post, uh, you know, this pandemic. Well, I think that companies that have tended to manage that way, many of them who are not being thoughtful um, will just go back to old ways. However, those that are thoughtful, that are paying attention and are are building these virtual teams are going to be looking around saying, huh, it's a lot less expensive to run virtually. There's a lot less overhead. People like it. People like that flexibility. I think people are really in as stressful as it is to be at home with your kids all day long, um, people are really coming to appreciate quality family time. I was just out driving yesterday and noticing all the people out at the park 
and all the recreation happening. I think that is going to become something that people won't give up easily. So there's going to be a pushback from team members to want that opportunity for more virtual work. Virtual work is built on a foundation of trust. And you mentioned trust. And I I really want to tie back to that because trust is the foundation of all of this. When we are able to extend trust to team members, we will get better behavior back. And yes, we do have to hold people accountable. Some people will take advantage of that. But The majority, especially if you've done the right things and you've used good strategies to hire the best, when you extend trust, people will step up and work harder for us because they feel that we have faith in them. Trust greases the wheels of all relationships. And when trust is missing, when we act like we don't trust team members, when we act and we check their timesheets to make sure they were clocked in at eight o'clock and clocked out at five o'clock and you know, can we tell that they were actually online and working at eight o'clock or were they, you know, giving their kids a bowl of cereal and trying to help them with their schoolwork? That is a, a sense of a lack of trust. And when team members experience that we don't trust them, it creates this feeling of, I have to prove myself. I don't want to make any mistakes. They're going to come after me if I make mistakes. So it's, it's that one pivot point in a relationship that can set off a snowball of bad behavior unintentionally. And on the opposite side of that, if we extend trust, it sets us up to have better and better interactions and to create a workplace where people feel safe and supported. When people feel safe and supported, they will produce their best work. I love that. You know, it's interesting, uh, several episodes back or by the time yours has, it'll probably be maybe a couple of months back, I had Manuel Pissner on as a guest and he has a distributed team of 160 people across, I forget what it is, 40 something countries, um, you know, and built it, you know, went from an, a model in, in Germany where he is uh, having all the people in his office to having this distributed team. And one of the things that he said, which is really interesting to me, is that actually, you know, the employees adapt to this distributed model a lot more easily. It's actually just the managers that yeah. sometimes have trouble with it and that they're going to need to, you know, so sort of get over that to move with the with the model, because it's exactly what you were saying. You know, if they have to be task-based and, you know, uh, management, it's, you know, it's, it's a problem. So, you know, that was a really interesting comment from him. And then, you know, I, I want to go back to something you said about profitability versus revenue. Yes. And, and one of the things that, uh, you know, I always had this concept, uh, again, there's another entrepreneurial organization sort of uh, religion thing, you know, where uh, it's pay yourself first. But about five, six years ago, when I relaunched uh, my own firm after splitting a partnership, uh, I read Mike Michalowicz's book, Profit First, and um, uh, we're actually going to have Mike on as a guest. I'm so thrilled to be able to get him on. He'll be coming up in a few episodes. Uh, so I won't spend a lot of time on this, and we'll be focused actually on his new book. But the Profit First uh, is a great resource, uh, listeners, because it really has you break things down to accounts and be focused on what you do for operating versus other things and making sure you're taking a profit, taking a compensation for yourself, plus taking a profit as an owner. Um, so I just want to give a little plug for that because I'm a huge fan. I've turned people on. It's consistent with what you were talking about. Sabrina. So I don't know. I don't think you would know this, Corey, but I am a the very first profit first professional when Mike wrote that book. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Tap the Potential is a profit first master level firm. I am a pumpkin plan your biz strategist. I was the very first one after Mike wrote The Pumpkin Plan. That's how I uh, reached out to Mike, was reading The Pumpkin Plan and going, oh my gosh, this is so spot on. 
And when he came to me and he said, I want to start a movement. And he started talking about profit first and the concepts and profit first. I said, I'm your lady. I'm going to be right there with you. That is the, the best thing because we just don't think about this in business. We think we've got to put the money all back into the business to keep the lights on, to keep everything going. And we're constantly plowing money back in thinking someday we're going to have a return on this investment. If we don't set that business up from the get-go to be profitable, every check that comes into that business, profit and owner's pay and tax percentages need to be set aside so that those things are taken care of. And that means then we run the business on a smaller amount of operating funds and we always know how much we have to run that business on. It keeps us, it helps us stop accumulating debt in the business. One of the, my favorite things about Profit First is how rapidly we're able to help entrepreneurs get out of debt. Debt is crushing and it keeps us awake at night. It will cause us to behave in ways that are totally out of alignment. And so it creates this feeling of being out of integrity. And so profit first using that model is we've just seen such incredible results with our clients and the impact that it has on their lives. So it's, it's foundational to the work that we do. And I want to also give a shout out to Mike's next book, Fix This Next. That's, I believe, what he's going to be talking about on the podcast with you. Yes. We're at Tap the Potential. We are founding fixers. He rolled out the Fix This Next model at my retreat that I do, I co-host with Mike at my home, Breakthroughs on the wow. Bayou. So he shared it with us two years ago, and our participants at our retreats always get privy to the, uh, the pre-work that Mike and I do on our books. So he tested it on our group of entrepreneurs. He got a lot of feedback. He adjusted things. And so it's really exciting to see this book coming up out now. And Fix This Next is, at its core, it's about what's the most important thing for me to work, work on my business right now that's going to have the greatest impact. It really speaks to me because we only have so much time in a given day or a given week to get anything done. We need to be working on the most essential element in our business at that moment that's going to have the greatest impact. So this is great. So listeners, uh, I think, you know, you all know, anybody who's listened to this podcast, that sometimes I have people on who I've known for a long, long, long time, maybe clients of mine or, you know, people that, you know, we, I've been close to in the EO community or in the national speakers community. And then I have this, you know, great privilege of getting, you know, especially now that the podcast has been on for a while where we get a lot of incoming requests and then we get introductions like I, you know, I did to Dr. Sabrina Starling here, but we don't know each other. And uh, the cool thing is that, just in the few minutes that we got to speak before the uh, recording started, we had so many commonalities and now you're, I'm discovering and she's discovering and you're discovering all at the same time that we have so many more, right? You know, I had no idea that she was a, you know, a, a, a Mike McCallowitz uh, partner and devotee and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's all perfect. And, um, uh, you know, I, lo I love that that's true and that, it, you know, it, 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 everything, everything ties in wonderfully. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to join our DealQuest DealMakers community and our upcoming Zoom event, Conversation, Connection, and Cocktails. We're doing this every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can sign up at coreycupfer.com slash cccevent. That's coreycupfer.com slash cccevent. You'll have a chance to engage with other business owners, leaders, and executives to hear more from them about their greatest challenges and most effective strategies for growth in these challenging times. Now back to the show. 
So let, let's, I mean, I think a lot of this has become obvious and we've alluded to it, but let's really drive this home in terms of the work you do and how it impacts deals because it impacts that ultimate exit and building enterprise value. And you can delve into that a little bit, but there are also other ways that obviously, you know, one of the things we've talked about in the past on this podcast is, you know, something we call aqua hiring, which is, you know, where you, you position it like you've, you've acquired a company, but it's really, you just, you're just hiring a bunch of their people. And that's a model that in certainly in down markets, which a lot of people think we're, we're in or heading into, you know, sometimes people, uh, companies have trouble. They're not as profitable. And in down markets, they're looking to combine and get, you know, and, and go back to what they're great at, not worried about the P&L. And so, you know, you do a deal where you've merged them in, but really what you've done is you hire them. So, you know, that's an example of where it's also so tied into making those right talent decisions. So you want to touch on some of the deal aspects of, uh, you know, of, of the crucial work that you do? Absolutely. So I think, you know, this in terms of hiring and the opportunities that are going to be out there to hire A players as we are in a down economy, and I really do see so many businesses scaling back to focus on the sweet spot of the business, which is, you know, focusing on those top clients, what they need from you, where your strengths align as a company and what you're able to offer, and then systematizing that. When that sweet spot is clearly defined, there's an opportunity to let go of all the extraneous stuff that is out there and it actually creates a a more profitable business. And the opportunity is to grow the business now from the sweet spot because there's less overhead, there's less drag. And so when we are looking at, it's about to be a market full of A players out there to hire because so many people have been laid off and, and now is the time. And what can be challenging about that is, okay, so my business has shrunk how do I afford to hire A players? And that's where it gets, you know, let's think about what the needs are of those A players and how you might be able to meet those needs. So I would actually recommend that entrepreneurs have a shopping list handy. So once your sweet spot is clearly defined, think about all the deals that are going to come your way in this economy because so many businesses are going under. So it's not just about which team members or which roles would you want to fill in your business. That's certainly a consideration. And I would, I would suggest you have a list of those too to be ready and um, look to fill those if you have that opportunity. But also to just look at what's on sale out there in the market right now yes. that fits your growth plan. So it's never wise to buy something on sale just for the sake of it being on sale but look at what is your long-term vision for two years from now? Where do you want to be? And what are the, the people that you're going to need? What is the equipment that you need? And, and anything else. And if it's on sale, does it make sense to go ahead and, and make those deals and acquire those things? When it comes to a players on your team, now is a great time to start the hiring and recruiting process and take it all the way to the point of making the offer. And to say... At that point, we are looking to hire in the coming months as the business starts to grow again. And we're not in a position today to make an offer. And we want you to be ready and we want to be able to call you as soon as we're able to make that offer. So the hiring process itself, recruiting and hiring can be quite time intensive. So I would recommend that if you're hiring for one role that you look to get at least four qualified candidates lined up who you would consider making an offer to. And then when you have that opportunity, when the revenue starts to come in again, go ahead and call those folks and make that offer. Now, 
One of the things that I think we always have to keep in mind is that even though the marketplace is going to be flooded, saturated with A players out there looking for work, we still need to consider our employer branding and how do we position ourselves as an employer of choice where an A player would want to work for us. So we got to think about what do what matters to A players. A players are go-getters. They are problem solvers, they like challenges, they like achievement. They like to be recognized for their contribution, flexibility, you know, opportunities for career growth combined with flexibility. Those really seem to be, and the other thing that we hear from the ones that we talk to, and I get to talk to a lot of them on our clients' teams, is they really value working in a family environment where it feels like we're family, we're treated like family, and we are valued. That comes up over and over. And so, Anything that you can do to show that going on in your business. So whatever you're doing in your business right now to support your team through the challenges of coronavirus, getting that out there publicly, utilizing social media, sharing that, encouraging other team members to share that in their social media so that you really build up a presence and showing up in their, in their world, in their social media will help with that. But also looking at, okay, if I'm going to make an offer I want A players to know I'm going to offer opportunities for advancement. I think it's really important to specify exactly what those opportunities for advancement are because so many businesses out there will just give lip service to that and A player candidates are wise to that. They know it's just really kind of blowing smoke. So instead of doing a vague offer of opportunities for advancement, spell out in the interview what criteria, first off, tell them exactly the results that you're looking for them for, for from them in the role that you're hiring them for. Yeah. And then lay out what does an A player, what kind of results is an A player in that role achieving for you at day one, week one, month one, 90 days, six months, nine months, one year, 18 months, and two years. And so think about an A player who's fully trained, who's been onboarded successfully, and they've been with you for two years. What are they doing for you in that role? And think about that is going to be the highest level of pay that you're going to offer. So that would be the 90th percentile of pay. And then work backward from there. And so you can make an offer to an A player that's around the 65th percentile of pay for that role in that geographic area. And you can say, okay, this is what we're able to pay you as you start. And then as you demonstrate results at you know, day one, even day one and, and end of week one, there can be opportunities for advancement. And there could be pay raises tied to certain opportunities for advancement. Not every single one, obviously. That's not a, a good way to motivate people. But they know going in what's expected of them. That sets them up for success. And it's like teaching to the test because they know exactly what you're looking for from them. And in terms of positioning yourself as an employer of choice, if you give them a piece of paper as they leave the interview that lays out their opportunities for advancement and the pay raises that will be associated with that, and on the other side of that piece of paper, you have comments from your current team members about why they like working for you, about what is unique about your company, you are going to stand out in those candidates' mind. And if they have other offers on the table that they're looking at, they're going to lean much more towards you simply because everything has been spelled out for them. They know what they're getting into. You know, that's such a great practical tip that listeners, you know, can take away. 
from this. And, and you know, you, you, in what you just said, you answered a question I was going to ask you, which is, you know, sort of how to bridge the gap between valuing A players, but also understanding that in this current market, you may not be in a position to pay them at 90 plus percent of their value. You know, and what you've essentially said, you know, it's interesting, in, in, in an acquisition, there's something called, you know, in, in structuring an acquisition, there's something called an earnout often, which is often used to, you know, let's say the, uh, the business happened to have a down year or, the, or there's some new clients that came in where those revenues and profits have not shown through yet because it's new business. But of course, there's no guarantee the clients will stay. What's done is in addition to whatever portions the firm purchase price, there's a back-end model that's based upon hitting certain bogeys that will get a higher purchase price for the uh, seller if those things come true, but also protect the buyer against having to pay for business that doesn't come in. So if it doesn't manifest, they don't have to pay that portion of the purchase price. What you've essentially done is created, you know, or advocated for the equivalent of an earnout, you know, for hiring key employees. Because the A players, if you give them their bogeys and know what they have to hit, and they're reasonable, right? They're not, you know, some people have stupid, you know, unmeachable targets for like salespeople, or whatever. And those are demotivating. But you know, if they're if they're stretched but reasonable, the A player is going to take that on as a challenge and say, "Yeah, I can go through this, and then I know I'll make that money." And at the same time, you protect yourself as an employer on the downside if they don't perform because you're paying them at 65% instead of 90. So I love this sort of earnout equivalent in a higher situation. It's brilliant. Well, thank you. And, you know, the other thing I want to comment on is the way that I've structured that is to manage the risk on both ends. So for the entrepreneur, the risk is I have to pay top dollar to attract this A player, but then it's going to take me 18 months to get them fully up to speed you know, I can't afford that. And so what this is doing is it's creating a very safe environment for the entrepreneur. And it's also making it very safe for a candidate if they are in a current job, because that was the market we had, you know, early 2020, that's where we were to jump ship. And, and that is the hardest thing to do. If you if you're an A player, and you have a job, even if it's not great, even if it's a, a bad environment, it's a known entity. So jumping into something that is an unknown is unsafe. So the more we can lay out, here's what it's going to be like, here are the expectations, it reduces the risk for that candidate. I also, I want to share something else for entrepreneurs to think about in terms of managing their risk as they're looking at hiring and revenues are down. You can make an offer now for people to work from home, to train at home. They can come on part-time. They can come on as independent contractors even. And you can spend the time training them part-time so that when you're ready to ramp up, then you can make an offer and bring them on full-time. Meanwhile, you've really gotten to see firsthand, can they produce? I love that. And, you know, and here's the things, folks, even though we are, you know, it seems like heading into a down market, certainly in some industries. I mean, again, I, I feel blessed that we, we're still busy, but, you know, there are a lot of segments of the economy that's already getting hit and they anticipate they get hit. It's never smart long-term to take advantage of somebody's disadvantage in the short term. And yeah, may might you be able to get an A player who becomes desperate on with you at 65% without these backend upsides if they perform or without clear benchmarks like uh, Dr. Sabrina is recommending? Maybe because, you know, maybe somebody gets to the point where they have to take something. But are you going to maintain those people over time? I've seen it over and over again where the minute the economy turns you know, those people are out of there and, and, it, and, you, and it's too late to raise their, their pay then because you didn't, you know, because you didn't take care of them. You didn't value them, like Dr. Smita said, you know, early on. And, you know, and no matter what you try to make up for, they're out of there the minute the economy turns. So that's not a smart play either. 
No, and we always have to have our eye on how to move from a transactional relationship to a a relationship that is a human relationship that builds loyalty and engagement. And Corey, we have a mutual friend and colleague, Dov Barron. I've had Dov on my podcast and we've talked about loyalty and his books on loyalty. And one of the things that I think is critical to remember is that that point you just made that yes, we could take advantage of the situation. We could bring on A players and pay 45th percentile. And, you know, that would be great for our profit as a business. However, that person is going to recognize that you've taken advantage. And as soon as things turn around, as soon as another opportunity shows up in front of them, they're likely to jump ship. So anything that we can do that shows that we respect their situation, that we want to show up and be supportive of their goals and what's important to them and look for how do we align our vision and our goals for the company with that team members, family goals, personal goals, and career goals. That's where we get those win-win-wins that build loyalty and we'll have someone who will work late for you on a Friday evening in a pinch during a critical time because they know you haven't taken advantage of them. 100%. So before we do the last two pieces of the podcast here, as we come to the end, is there any other last uh, thoughts or tips or, you know, on uh, that entrepreneurs can use in these times that may relate to their, you know, ongoing success and maybe related to deals? What, What else do you want to tell the audience here? So I have been on a mission since coronavirus has impacted us as the business psychologist to really talk about the mental health of entrepreneurs in the context of work supports life. So prior to coronavirus hitting, I was starting to study burnout, entrepreneurial burnout in entrepreneurs. And what I've come to see in the surveys that we've done is that the majority of entrepreneurs are operating in a place of being at risk for burnout. Mm. That was before we throw in all the stress from coronavirus and the ways that's impacted us and changed our lives. And so I have a lot of concern for the entrepreneurs out there for their self-care, putting their oxygen masks on first and making sure that they are doing the things that they need to do to take care of themselves and always having that eye on work supports life. And so I wanna just extend the opportunity for your entrepreneurs who are listening in your audience to take our assessment at Tap the Potential, which assesses for your level of entrepreneurial burnout. It will give you feedback about where you are, and it will also give you feedback about the gaps that exist in your business that are contributing to that level of entrepreneurial burnout. So in terms of what to work on next in your business, that assessment is a screening tool for what's going to be, what are the things that I need to work on and that will really start to impact not only the health of the business and the sustainability and my ability to be away from the business, but also improve my quality of life as an entrepreneur. That is a free assessment. It's available on our website at tapthepotential.com forward slash assessment. I love that. Such a great resource for people. So, and obviously that's the website where you uh, all can find out more about uh, Dr. Sabrina Starling. And just give us a little bit on anything else you want to talk about. I know you have a couple of books coming out. Just uh, give us a couple of minutes on the, I think you have at least two books coming out over the next number of months, right? Yes, I do. So I have the next in the How to Hire the Best series. The one that is coming out in September, September 15th is our launch date. 
is How to Hire the Best, The Entrepreneur's Ultimate Guide to Attracting Top Performing Employees. And that will be followed by the December 1st release of my book that I have been so passionate about and working on for years, which is The Four-Week Vacation. The Four-Week Vacation is all about building this business that gives you your life back. So entrepreneurs, I'm sure nobody out there wants to learn how to hire the best talent and nobody out there, you know, has any interest in taking a four-week vacation and getting your life back, right? So, <laughs> I, get, you know, I mean, that's nothing that we all want. Yeah, I actually took a three and a half week. I, if I would have known you were, you were calling four-week, I would have just extended it. But I did three and a half weeks at, um, in St. George at the Red Mountain uh, Resort. Like I did a health retreat. I was working out every day. I was hiking in Snow Canyon and in Zion and and, uh, you know, the first two weeks, I did like about three hours of work a day, you know, three, four hours a day from there. And then the last week and a half, I took a total vacation. And it, it was amazing. I mean, it was like people said, how do you do that? And it's all the things that you were talking about. I have a, a phenomenal team, great systems. I have this whole concept on highest and best use where I focus. We don't have time to get into that. But people have heard, you know, listeners have heard me talk about that before. And it's some of the work that we do. But, you know, again, you are so speaking my language. So, yeah, uh, you so know. So Corey, I got to tell you, you are a prime candidate for the four-week vacation challenge because Mm -hmm. when you take the four-week vacation pledge, you're pledging to take tests and build your business up to the point where you can be totally unplugged out of communication with your business for four weeks. And from what you're telling me, I think you are almost there. I, 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 I'm definitely a super of seizing the opportunity. I love it. I love it. A challenge. I love it. That's awesome. So, folks, listen. I, you know, definitely check out all of those links. Are going to be in the in the show notes. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you missed any of those, you can definitely check them out. I mean, I, you know, I'm sh- sure you can see there's so much value in in what Sabrina brings. So, uh, you know, de- definitely check her stuff out. All her books, and uh, she's also got a podcast, right? Let, let, let me give you yes. a, a second to talk about your podcast, then I'll ask you my last question. Absolutely. So the Profit by Design podcast, you can find us at ProfitByDesignPodcast.com. We talk about creating sustainable businesses that support us in living the lifestyle we desire. I love it. Another thing that no entrepreneur is interested in. Yeah. Okay. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is what everybody wants. Everything you do, everybody wants. All right. Great. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. The last question that I've started asking in this new uh, format on the podcast, since we rebranded it on on DealQuest, is everything we've been talking about. So I'll ask it anyway, which is that, you know, my highest value in life is freedom. I have a, uh, uh, I'll get a little plug to my intent.org. I have a little bracelet that I wear where they put a word on this little, like, uh, almost subway token kind of thing. Uh, And my word is freedom. I haven't taken this off in seven or eight years. And for me, that's a big, you know, it's freedom of, for all people from oppression and it's, a, you know, but it's also freedom. It's also why I'm an entrepreneur, you know. So what does freedom mean to you uh, and how does it impact, you know, your life and business uh, beyond what you've already, beyond everything we talked about this podcast, which was all about that? <laughs> yeah. So I will just say, what does freedom mean to me? Freedom means to be at choice, that I get to choose where I work from, when I work, who I work with. And how I want the role that I want my work to play in my life. And that, I wake up every day and I say, thank God that I have these choices. It means so much to me to get to experience what I've put so much work into developing. And I want more entrepreneurs to really feel that freedom. Dr. Sabrina Starling, thank you so much for being on the podcast and bringing all the value you did to our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest. 
where we help you discover the genius of deal-driven growth. You can be a friend of the show by leaving a review on the Good Pods app, podchaser.com, or any major podcast player. Every review helps the show reach more listeners. If you're ready to take your deal-making to the next level by becoming a master negotiator, head over to Amazon or Audible and grab a copy of my best-selling book, Authentic Negotiating. Then connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.